0: everyone. This is Jenna Spinelli from the Democracy Works team. While we take a holiday break, we are going back into the archives to rebroadcast a few episodes that you might have missed earlier this year. This week's episode with Pennsylvania Attorney General Josh Shapiro originally aired in October.
1: From the McCourtney Institute for Democracy on the campus of Penn State University, I'm Michael Berkman. And I'm Chris Beam, and this is Democracy Works. Chris, today we have a special guest, Josh Shapiro, the Attorney General for the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, was in State College uh, last weekend, and we got a chance to sit down and talk with him about federalism and being Attorney General. Right, so... Uh
2: You know, I think most of our listeners will will recognize uh, that—because Josh Shapiro has been in the news a lot lately—he brought forward the grand jury report on uh, sexual abuse among uh, priests in the Catholic Church. And uh, uh, this was an incredibly important moment. Um, It led to his communication with the Pope and a number of other states bringing similar charges. And uh, he got interviewed by The New York Times, and yet he's still willing to talk to us. But the point (laughs) is that um, that that he's—that we—you know, this is all incredibly interesting and important, but it's not our subject. And it's not why we wanted to talk to him. Well, we want to talk to them about federalism, right? And so the 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 tag, the important role that uh, state's attorney generals, attorneys general play, I always get that wrong, um, is to act on the part of states to. Um, constrain and act as a check on federal power.
1: Right. Uh, Like so much else else that we talk about, this goes back to Madison and the Federalist Papers. Of happy memory, right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I just taught them last week, so they are really (laughs) in my memory. And in, in, in particular, Federalist 51, where Madison talks about, quote, the double security that arises to the rights of the people. The governments will control each other at the same time that each will be controlled by itself, right? Yeah, A- and like so much else uh, in the design of the Constitution, the intent here is to put protections for the people by limiting government power, mm-hmm. and it- and in this case, it's that it's that we have the state governments that have certain powers that are not under the federal government. They are there. They are. Independent sovereignty. Right. So you and you and it, it is since we're doing this AP class, we might as well also
2: mention <laughs> that the 10th uh, the Amendment to the Constitution says that all rights not articulated to the federal government uh, belong to the state.
1: Right. What we will talk to the attorney general about and uh, our, our lawsuits that he's involved in. Mm-hmm. uh Against federal government actions of different types, of which there have been many high profile uh, since the Trump administration in particular. But this predates the Trump administration. This is not something just about that. Uh, You know, if you go back to think about how did Ted Cruz become Ted Cruz, Ted Cruz was the uh, solicitor general in uh, Texas Mm -hmm. uh, working with – an attorney general by the name of Greg Abbott, who took the lead on many lawsuits against the Obama administration, having to do with a range of issues, including the Affordable Care Act, uh, uh, abortion rights, uh, just all kinds of things, where right. they would bring suit against these acts, and they would get other case, other states involved. Uh, they would uh, submit amicus briefs to the court. Uh, Ted Cruz testified. Uh, multiple times, not testified, but was uh, before the Supreme Court, multiple Mm -hmm. times arguing some of these cases. Uh, This is something that happens throughout different administrations, but it is very much a partisan kind of issue. Right, Not exclusively, but very much a partisan kind of issue uh, where attorney generals use their ability to bring bring suits to uh, challenge what the federal government is doing. Within the Trump administration, I think the most high profile that uh, many people knew about was how uh, the state of Washington, and I believe uh, Pennsylvania was involved in this too, uh, were able to stop the initial executive order uh, prohibiting immigration from certain countries. So uh, we, Jenna, um, we, we were able to get just
2: a few moments of the uh, attorney general's time. He happened to be in state college um, and he was kind enough to, to spend some time with Jenna. So it's a little different recording. He's not in studio, but uh, we, we just still jumped on it. it was so we felt like it was such a huge opportunity.
1: Well, let's go to Jenna and the Attorney General. Absolutely.
0: All right. This is Jenna Spinelli from the McCourtney Institute for Democracy here today with Pennsylvania Attorney General Josh Shapiro. Josh, thanks for joining us today.
3: Great to be with you.
0: So we are excited to talk with you uh, about federalism and some of the the action that's that you've taken on behalf of the the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania in um, some of the what's been happening, um, you know nationally, federally, kind of uh, working. Just on the first two pages of, of Google, I've seen you've been involved with um, uh, federal action Googled against the, a, you know,
3: know
0: <laughs> <laughs> seeing uh, you know the the travel ban, the um, immigration, um, contraception. Uh, more recently, something against um, Betsy DeVos and for-profit colleges. So, when you came into office last January, did you think that you would be this active on the on the federal level and and taking on these cases?
3: I've been pretty open about um, my role in this Commonwealth and how I saw um, the work that I had to do as Attorney General playing out for people every day. I I said when I was sworn in on January 17, 2017, uh, that if anybody was going to try to mess with a Pennsylvanian, they were going to have to come through me, whether that's a drug dealer on the street corner, some big multinational corporation that's taking advantage of consumers or Pennsylvanians. Um, or even if it's the President of the United States doing something to undermine uh, the rights and interests of the Commonwealth, they'd have to go through me. And so I view um, the Constitution, quite literally, as giving, um, through the Tenth Amendment, the states broad authority. Um, you know, states' rights is not necessarily something that progressives have talked about or celebrated over the years for good reason, but it is something that I've always believed in. It's one of the reasons why I've worked so hard to hold state office. And one of the reasons why I think attorneys general right now are more important than ever before. So the bottom line is if, if the president or anyone on, in the federal system is doing something to undermine our rights, I'm going to step up and take action. And that's exactly what we've done. And that's what the people of Pennsylvania pay me to do, is to protect their interests and their rights. And that's what we're all about.
0: So, so tell me how one of these suits gets started. We hear about it as, you know, 15 states are speaking out against this or that, but what does that process actually look like?
3: The analysis is really simple. Does the action comport with the rule of law? Period. You know, there's a lot that President Trump and the federal government do that I don't like, but I'm not some congressman who just opines every day about what I like and what I don't like. I have a very specific role, which is to focus on making sure the rule of law is being upheld. So I put aside what I agree or disagree with and focus on the law and where I see the administration doing something that is undermining the rule of law and thus the rights of Pennsylvanians, then I plan to take legal action. Now, once we determine that legal action is warranted, we try to figure out, okay, what's the best legal action? Where is it best to file that action? And oftentimes, uh, my fellow attorneys general will want to weigh in or want to engage or want to be a part of it. And so we make a determination as to whether or not Pennsylvania should be the lead state. For example, when the president decided one morning when he woke up that he didn't think women in this country should have access to contraception anymore, uh, I thought that he was not only wrong, more importantly, what he was doing was unlawful. And I announced to my colleagues I was going to file suit. And 19 attorneys general lined up with me. We filed an action in the Eastern District of Pennsylvania. And we not only won uh, an injunction to protect Pennsylvania women, we won an injunction to protect women all across this country. So sometimes it's taking the initiative and saying, you know, we're filing here. Who's with me? Other times, there are strategic reasons why we want to file in a court somewhere else. Maybe uh, the issue is more pronounced in that state or in that community. And so I'll coordinate with my colleagues. But rest assured, what what we are not doing is just organizing opposition to the president for the sake of opposition. What we are doing is organizing ourselves around the rule of law, and where that is being undermined, we're stepping up and we're trying to make a difference in protecting the people within our respective states. Mm-hmm.
0: And so for, for every one of these actions that you kind of sign on to, can you, um, you give us a sense of, of how many you turned down or kind of what, what some of those, those factors That's are? It's a great
3: question. Um, we've been involved in either filing a suit or joining a suit, I think, 14 or 15 times in my first year and a half in office. Uh, I should point out we've never lost. So I'm very careful about what we engage in on behalf of the people of Pennsylvania. And when you have the rule of law as your sort of benchmark, as your foundation, it's pretty clear whether it's being adhered to or not. Some of my colleagues in other states have filed, you know, 40 or 50 actions. So I'm a little careful. Um, I think it's, again, not my job to be political about this. It's not my job just to weigh in where I differ from the president, it's my job to weigh in where the rule of law is being threatened.
0: And what's what's the timeline? I mean, do you do you have a chance to to talk to, to people in the in the Commonwealth and get a sense of you know is this something that would would have constituent support?
3: Well, I I do my job as attorney general. Maybe a little bit different than my predecessors. I, I don't spend a whole lot of time behind a desk. I don't spend a whole lot of time just sitting in Harrisburg. I spend the majority of my week traveling around to different places, listening to people, meeting constituents. Um, I still do my own food shopping where I learn a lot when you're going up and down the uh, the aisles. And and the reality is I think I just have a pretty good feel for where the people of Pennsylvania are. And I have a good feel for what their rights are, what their legal um, you know, safeguards are, and where they're being undermined. We're going to step up and make a difference. Now, look, not everybody's going to agree with you all the time. And so I don't you know, poll test these things. I don't try to figure out if it's popular or not. What I try to do is what's right and what adheres to the rule of law. And I think if you stick to that, then at the end of the day, you know, one's sort of public opinion or the public opinion at that particular moment becomes less important. It really needs to be focused on the rule of law.
0: All right. And um, do you do you think at all that um, this is, so there's been going back to to President Obama, there was a, a lot of attorneys general on the right who kind of filed these these actions against him, and now we're seeing kind of the opposite happen with with Trump in office. Do you think this this leads at all to the, the the polarization that we're seeing in the country, or the the notion that it's it's hard for the government to really get anything done because all of these things that are trying to move forward keep getting blocked at these, these various junctures?
3: Actually, I would just maybe respectfully differ from your the way you frame the question. A- actually, probably about 75% of what I do on the federalism side is totally bipartisan. The media doesn't always report it, right? So when you get together with your Republican colleagues and do something. So for example, I, I got together with my Republican colleagues um, in challenging the FCC on something involving robocalls, right? Not a ton of people wrote about that. Maybe it's not as sexy or of an interesting of an issue, but it's very important to people and and it's totally bipartisan. So the vast majority of actions we take are really bipartisan. Um, and and I think actually, attorneys general, unlike a member of Congress where it is so polarized and and you know people kind of go into their political clubs, we tend to work really well together yeah.
0: and and so um, Uh, Pennsylvania certainly has its own share of of, of problems in in the the state. I've heard you talk a lot about opioids, for example. So how do you balance kind of tending to the needs of of Pennsylvania here in in the Commonwealth versus, you know, getting involved in some of these larger federal matters?
3: Well, when I get involved in the larger federal matters, it's to protect the people of Pennsylvania. Um, When I try to, you know, when I I file a lawsuit, go back to the example I used before, when I file a lawsuit to protect access to contraception. Yes, I'm suing the president of the United States, but women in Pennsylvania benefit from that. Uh, the people of Pennsylvania benefit from that. And so to me, you know, whether I'm fighting in a state court or whether I'm fighting in federal court somewhere, at the end of the day, I'm fighting for the same people. It's just the matter of where you go in order to best protect their interests.
0: Um, so, so one of the things that we've we've kind of heard from from President Trump is that the the, the office of attorney general should be kind of trending more toward toward being a, a political uh, office. Do, do you do you share that view, or kind of what what are your your thoughts there about how political the office should be?
3: Look, I mean, I think we're above politics. I'm, I'm a proud Democrat. I ran as a Democrat. I make no bones about what party I came from and the progressive leanings that I have. The people of Pennsylvania knew that when they elected me. Um, but when I do my job every day, we, we do check politics at the door. And, and I think we are above politics. And I think if you look at our track record, we've held Democrats accountable. We've held Republicans accountable. We, we do our job in a way that I think the people of Pennsylvania can be proud that they're getting uh, a justice system that is fair. I have Democrats and Republicans who work for me. I'm proud of the fact that we have the most diverse staff in the history of Pennsylvania. Um, not just based on what people look like or, for example, we have more women in positions of leadership than men, but also because we have different political views that are around the table. Um, when I walk in that door in the attorney general's office, we decide whether to file a suit or bring charges or whatever the case may be. We do so without fear or favor.
0: Yeah, so so we've seen um, President Trump also kind of it, it, taking actions to indicate that he doesn't respect the the justice of the Justice Department and some of the, the processes that it follows um, from, from where you sit? Um, how does that make you feel when you kind of see this this playing out?
3: I think the president's conduct in attacking law enforcement, uh, attacking the professionals at the Department of Justice is really abhorrent. And it undermines our justice system. It undermines the rule of law. And it, it seeks to undermine our institutions. Now, I think what is clear uh, over the last year and a half of the president's term is that our institutions are actually pretty strong. Uh, and that the people are the ones who make up those institutions, and they're not willing to be bullied by the president in the way that he seeks to bully them. I can tell you that I work very closely with senior officials at the Justice Department, um, including Rod Rosenstein, who's been in the news, uh, you know, recently. Um, these are professional people, and whether we agree or disagree on a, you know, our philosophical viewpoint on a, on a particular issue, has no bearing on the work we do together. Um, You know, I stood with them on an effort to hold pharmaceutical companies accountable, uh, you know, to deal with the opioid epidemic. We're working together on on a number of fronts that I think are important. And I think it's important for the people of Pennsylvania and, and all across this country to know that notwithstanding the president's white hot rhetoric and his ridiculous tweets, the professionals at the Justice Department, along with state attorneys general, work really well together. And it shows the strength of law enforcement in this country.
0: So you've, you've mentioned the phrase that the rule of law several times, and I think that's one of the terms that we kind of hear thrown around a lot uh, from you know people in politics or even you know media pundits, etc. What what does that term mean to you, and do you find that the it's there's kind of a shared definition across your attorney general colleagues?
3: It's the very foundation of of everything I do, of every decision I make, and it helps you be above politics. It helps you be above the sort of daily grind of, of issues where the left goes to one place and the right goes to another place. That's not my job as Attorney General. My job is to understand the law, to apply the facts and the evidence as we have it, whether it's a criminal case or a civil case, uh, and then make a decision in the best interest of the people of Pennsylvania. And so it really is at, at the heart of everything I do. now. Do I think the term has been polluted by some of these pundits and talking heads in Washington and some of these, you know, do-nothing, you know, politicians? Yeah, of course it has. Uh, And that's unfair. But at the end of the day, you know, I see our institutions within the the legal community, within law enforcement, holding up, notwithstanding the the withering attacks on them, done in this, um, you know, really wrong headed way and, and in a way that, uh, you know, I think perverts the real meaning of the rule of law.
0: Right. So I want to ask about something you said on Twitter yesterday. Um, you, you said federalism equals the sword to advance rights and the shield to defend against federal overreach. That's where AGs come in. Can, can you expand on that a little bit?
3: Absolutely. Look, the 10th Amendment and federalism makes it clear that states have a real role to play in our democracy. And I believe that if the federal government is um, you know, making an unwarranted overreach into our state business or to take away the, the rights of Pennsylvanians, then I'm going to be a shield to guard against that. At the same time, throughout history, we've seen states uh, be the sword to advance rights. Now, we've also seen states be the sword to advance uh, some things that undermine people's rights, certainly. And that, that was what I was alluding to earlier in a discussion about states' rights. There's a negative to that as well in our history, but if you look, for example, at um, marriage equality, so much of that emerged from the states and counties like mine that I used to represent, Montgomery County, where we went and issued marriage licenses to same-sex couples, and that ultimately led to movement at the federal level. So, you know, Justice Brandeis spoke so eloquently about states being the laboratories of, of democracy um, in uh, in an opinion. Um, You know, quite some time ago. But that I think holds true today that that states need to be a shield from unwarranted federal overreach and a sword to advance the rights of the, the people of their respective states.
0: All right, so we have um, a few minutes left here. We always end every episode of our podcast. The, the McCourtney Institute for Democracy conducts a public opinion poll called the, the Mood of the Nation poll. It's an open-ended poll. People can respond uh, in their own words. And so we have four questions that we always ask in that poll. I'm going to ask you those four questions. We'll think of this kind of kind of like a, like a lightning round. <laughs> okay. Um, so your best tweet-worthy uh, responses, perhaps. I'm going to so. say the 140
3: ca- <laughs> I guess I have 280 <laughs> characters yeah. now. yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: Um, So thinking specifically about American politics, what makes you angry?
3: Polarization, hypocrisy, uh, dishonesty. I think we need to do better, and and that's on both sides of the aisle, to be honest with you. And I think that the people of this country um, are better than some of our elected representatives right now. And we need to get back to decency and honesty, and, and as I've talked about here today, the rule of law. Grounding the work that we do. We can have honest disagreements about health care or immigration policy or what have you. We've had honest disagreements for hun- hundreds of years in this country. That's the way it's supposed to work. But what we can't have is the, is the type of hypocrisy and dishonesty and division that uh, define our politics today.
0: And uh, what makes you proud?
3: The people. I mean, one of the things that's so extraordinary about this job is um, I get to go to work for the people every single day, and I put people before the powerful, whether it's, um, you know, exposing the type of child abuse and institutional cover-up within the Catholic Church that that we recently uncovered, whether it's holding some multinational corporation accountable for when they scam uh, Pennsylvanians or Americans. I'm really proud of the fact that I get to help the people every day. And and through that, I get a, a direct connect to them. I get to see what's on their mind. Uh, in a way that maybe others can't, and and be their voices, the people's AG, and um, they really inspire me. And and to see people not only engaged in issues, but engaged right now in um, trying to be the defenders of our democracy and the defenders of our progress, you know, by by getting engaged in this election, it's really inspiring.
0: Yeah, to to um, follow up on that, do you do you hear from people who say, "Oh, I wish you would take on"? This or that or, you know, something that, that's happening. <laughs> Every day. Every day.
3: Yeah. Every day someone has an idea on who we should sue or who we should investigate or even my wife. She's, she has ideas as well. But obviously we focus on the evidence and, and you know, where it's appropriate to go forward. But of course, no. And, and I love that feedback. I mean, I'm very accessible, whether it's through Twitter or Facebook, where you can follow me at Josh Shapiro PA or, um, you know, or, or just engaging with me out in the community. Uh, I like to be connected to people and I love their ideas and a lot of times actually their ideas do come to fruition in one form or fashion. Uh,
0: Two more more than the nation poll questions. Uh, What makes you worry?
3: Probably if I can go back to my first answer, right? The division in this country. um, The president's constant attacks on the rule of law and our institutions, whether it's the media or law enforcement. The good news is so far they're holding and in some ways they're stronger than ever before. Uh, but that that does make me worry. Now the flip side of that, maybe your next question is what makes me uh, optimistic. I don't know. Yeah. Is exactly. it all right? I'll, I'll wait and let you ask. <laughs> you ask the question, then I'll keep going. The first person to figure that. Yeah.
0: Out. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah <that's it. laughs> so the the last question is what gives you hope?
3: I'll tell you what. Uh, whatever comes next, and whenever that next comes, um, we're going to be. If, far stronger as a nation because of what we've had to endure over this last uh, year and a half. There, um, There is, I think, a great sense of responsibility that Ameri- the American people have. Certainly, I've seen this in Pennsylvania, where they realize that they've got to not only vote, but they've got to be more engaged in civic life as a result of what they're seeing right now coming from the White House. Uh, and that even counts for people who, who will say, you know, well, I don't like the president, I don't like his conduct, but I like some of his policies. But I think they also recognize there, yeah, you might like the tax cut you're getting or whatever the thing is that you like about the president, but you recognize that there's something not normal about this conduct. There's something not acceptable about this conduct and we have to do better. And so whoever comes next and whenever that happens, I do see us as a country being in a position to come closer together as people and demand real action. It doesn't mean that our divisions on issues will go away. There are honestly held really good beliefs on both sides of the issues on whatever tax policy, healthcare, immigration, whatever the case may be. I may differ from someone, but folks wanna have an honest dialogue again and really get back to debating these issues in a way that's gonna make us stronger as a nation. And I think that, uh, that that actually keeps me real optimistic.
0: Right. Well, thank you for, for your time today. You have a lot on your plate, so we, uh, we're very much appreciative of you taking time to join us today. Josh, thank you so much. Good to be with you. All
2: right, so there is no doubt that this, this is a very impressive uh, politician, a thoughtful politician. Um, Uh, legal mind who who is doing a really good job representing his his constituency. Um, It is really interesting to me to hear him talk about his role as being Outside of politics, outside of the partisan battles that you see everywhere else, he said you know they repeatedly referred to this being the rule of law, and he brought what he said fifteen or fourteen cases, mm-hmm. and every one of them he's won so um I don't have any um argument with with um anything in that regard i mean obviously he's 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 doing well uh, representing his his constituents. Um, I'm not sure that I am convinced that um, his um, argument that 75 percent, I think, of the cases that he has um, brought are bipartisan. I'm sure that's true. Involving
1: involving attorney generals of the other party. Right, right, right. I'm
2: sure that's true, but I don't think that um, – to my mind, that doesn't – obviate or, or – uh, what is the word I want? It doesn't mean – none of that means that, that hyper-partisanship isn't also manifested in this um, attorney general's race. Race? It's har- it's, sorry, not a race. In the, in the office of the attorney general.
1: Uh, well, it's a partisan office. Right. And uh, in the state of Pennsylvania, uh, in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, unlike at the federal level, the attorney general is a separately elected office. Uh, So he has a constituency that's separate and distinct Mm -hmm. from the governor necessarily. is an independent actor mm-hmm. in a way that uh, maybe the Attorney General of the United States is not necessarily. Well, certainly not the well, way the president <laughs> right course. now wants him to be. Well, right, but there is nothing normal about the relationship right. between the current Attorney General and, mm-hmm. and the president. But I, I just true. wanted to kind of mention that. Uh, I mean, what, my, my thought on the bipartisanship is that it's like, like much of what happens in Congress is actually bipartisan. Mm-hmm. A lot, a lot of things are done with votes from Democrats, Republicans. A lot of committee hearings are without rancor, mm-hmm. and uh, but we just don't hear about them as much right? Right. now. Part of why we don't hear about them as much might be, and as I think you were kind of insinuating, and I can't quite tell where you were going there, but that. Uh, because uh, we're in a hyper-partisan time, so we only care about the partisan things, or we like to emphasize the partisanship. But, you know, it might be that it's that the partisanship occurs on the really important controversial well, issues. Well, that's what I would argue. Yeah, not the housekeeping right. issues. Right. But I, I do think it is worth, it is worth noting that – Yes. Partisanship extends in a way that Madison would not have been happy with, to mm-hmm. go back to where we were at right. the beginning, across state and federal mm-hmm. lines. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shapiro is a member of the Democratic Party that is opposite of the Republican Party of the president, Donald Trump. But, you know, there are also a lot of issues that come up that really do affect the state. Uh in a nonpartisan kind of right, way. Right. And and states are, are going to be legitimately concerned with things that the federal government is trying to do, and they're going to respond in a way that represents their state interest that might not necessarily be a partisan interest.
2: I, I, I absolutely think that, that's true.
1: What, what I thought was was interesting about about this interview, and well, I'm glad we had the chance to, to talk to him beyond the opportunity to meet you know, kind of interesting Pennsylvania yeah. of politician uh, office holder... Uh, was that uh, you know? This is in the day-to-day works uh, how some of what Madison talks about in Federalist Fifty-One talks about. Right. That we have this protection through the states, so the federal government's acting in certain ways, but but the uh, Commonwealth has this opportunity and potential uh, to respond and to uh, to argue the case, uh, to bring it before the courts, and to stand up for the people of Pennsylvania. And to stand up for. States' rights, right? He actually said rights. that too. Yeah. That well, states' rights term. is not necessarily a conservative term, but it's it's been owned by conservatives. I, I think that's right. It, it, much at the work of liberals because mm. of uh, the association with, uh, with civil civil rights, rights right. and, and uh, slavery. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, what were the states' rights arguments about? Right. In the pre-civil State war period, states' rights states', states, 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 to states to do rights what? to have slaves. Yeah. <laughs> uh but but states rights is just an essential element of federalism right. that the constitution tries to sort out what the responsibilities of each level of government are but there's a lot of ambiguity in the mm-hmm. constitution to how it does it uh and it's taken many many court cases over the centuries actually to uh to sort out what these responsibilities are and it's an ever evolving uh type of thing
2: right it is it is interesting i mean th- th- there's a uh... There's – I can't remember his name, but there's an argument that you you hear now um, state's attorneys general arguing that federal regulation be um, imposed upon them, which is a long way from a state's rights argument. But ideally, or at least conceptually, the job of the state's attorney general is to – Advocate for the state to be the one who says this is our territory. You can't approach. Uh, uh, you can't encroach here. You can't do that to us. And um, what um, you know, Attorney Attorney General Shapiro was arguing is that that's my job. And if you want to understand um, what I do when I get out of bed in the morning, that's
1: it. Oh, well, well put. Okay. I have no, rep- I have no <laughs> retort to it. Uh, so um, yeah. So that was uh, that was an interesting interview. It's the first time I think we've interviewed a, an office holder. Yeah. Is that yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. I think so. And uh, so we appreciate uh, the attorney general's uh, willingness to to come on the show. All right.
2: Okay. Well. So so um, yeah. That was really uh, uh, um, interesting. And I um, again, we appreciate his time. Um, so. For Democracy Works, I'm Chris
1: Beam. I'm Michael Berkman. Don't forget to uh, rate us and subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.
0: Democracy Works is produced by the McCourtney Institute for Democracy at Penn State and WPSU Penn State. Our hosts are Michael Berkman, Chris Beam, and me, Jenna Spinelli. Andy Grant is our engineer and Mark Stitzer is our editor. Additional support comes from Emily Reddy, Shireen Stanford, Craig Johnson, and the rest of the team at WPSU. For detailed show notes and discussion questions for each episode, visit our website at democracyworkspodcast.com. And if you like what you heard today, please consider rating or reviewing us wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening.